You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. If you brought your Bibles this evening, let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 26. The book of Matthew chapter 26, we're going to be reading uh, verses 31. Matthew chapter 26. I'm always interested at how uh, people uh, translate life. I've heard people in the past uh, when they are involved in a car accident say that I got hit, I got swiped and the car flipped seven times or the car flipped uh, three times or the car flipped... uh, 12 times, and in my mind, I always think, why were you counting? And if you had paid more attention, you wouldn't have to count. The truth is, it's amazing at how uh, we can get behind the wheel and lose focus of our surroundings. We can begin to drift from one lane to another and many times be faced with very devastating consequences, all because you forgot to pay attention, all because you got distracted. Now, the truth is, is that when it comes to the spiritual things of life, we cannot afford to allow our minds to be scattered. We cannot afford to just... For one moment, switch off and say, you know what, today I don't want to be a Christian or I don't want to be faithful or I don't want to stay married. The truth is the continual discipline is required of a faithful saint in order to be able to gain favor with God. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled... uh, Gathered, not scattered, out of the book of Matthew, chapter 26, starting at verse 31. The Bible says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But I have, but after I've been raised, I will go before you. Uh, to Galilee, gathered, not scattered. I want to focus firstly on the scattering. Now, I think it's fair to say that we are in a time where people are very prone to change their minds. In fact, hesitation is something that we're accustomed to. I remember uh, years ago, I was given a phone call from a good friend of mine, a pastor friend, and he saw that I was on the list to go to Israel. And so he contacted me to uh, share accommodation on this Israel trip. And if you know, uh, uh, you can halve the price of your accommodation if you have somebody else uh, that you're bunking with. And so he called me up and he said, Hey, uh, Mike, I'm just wondering, uh, uh, do you want to share our accommodation during the Israel trip? And immediately, so I said, absolutely, of course. And then I just paused and said, well, maybe just give me a moment to think about it. 
Because how many know that that's, that's, you know, that's how we sometimes approach life. It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you kind of think a bit about it a little bit more and you think, well, really do I want to? Or is this something I want to commit to? And so this is very true about life itself. People change their minds. They change their taste in clothes. They change hobbies and jobs, careers, their location. They change. And this is a simple fact of life. Now, what you have to understand is that this can be an instrument that the devil uses to assault your Christian life. In other words, you've been wearing those shoes for so long. Why don't you just throw them out? You've been driving this old car for so long. Time to get a new one. You've been going to that same old church and serving that look, Jesus Christ. It's time to try something new. And the truth is, is that this is exactly how the devil operates. Matthew 26, 31. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This is the strategy of the devil. Now the difficult we face is knowing how to react when danger strikes, uh, when you're in that moment where you don't anticipate something bad happening. And let me just make this statement. I've said this before. Uh, the devil doesn't believe that you truly are committed or love wholeheartedly Jesus Christ. Therefore, he will strike at your commitment. He will strike at your faithfulness. He will strike at your ministry in order to get you to become scattered. This is the strategy of the devil. We see this in Job chapter 1, verse 9 through to 11. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. In other words, what the devil is striking at, driving a wedge between you and God, you and your Savior, you and your church, you and your pastor, he wants to introduce this strategy to be able to cause you to be scattered. And let me just say this, that God is not the author of confusion. For those that maybe are struggling to make a decision whether I should stay saved, whether I should stay in ministry, whether I should stay in church. Can I ask you this evening, you feeling scattered? You confused? Jesus said, this is the strategy of the devil. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Because what his aim is to remove the reference points of our lives. Isn't it amazing? You get saved. You get transformed. You get delivered. 
And all of a sudden, a little bit of doubt and, you know, this, this little strategy of scattering. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't know if I am in the right place. Or I don't know if serving God is for me. And I don't know if I can stay saved because of how I'm feeling. I wonder this evening, are you under the influence of what the devil is doing here amongst the disciples? Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Because Jesus is a path, Jesus is a direction, Jesus is a way, and the devil's aim is to get you off track. So let's look at this from the very devil himself. We know that Job is the earliest writings we have in our Bible. It brings it back to a time where the devil would be communicating with God himself. And so we can use this as the earliest documentation between the devil and God. And no doubt it reveals the strategy of the devil like none other. Number one, it reveals... That if you're under the influence of a scattering demon, you are living with no purpose. In fact, you notice in the book of Job that God asked Satan, what have you been up to? What have you been doing, devil? And it sounds like he's speaking to a teenager. Nothing. Where are you going to go? Nowhere. Who are you going to see? No one. And it's this purposeless life. And listen to me, we laugh because when we were teenagers, that's exactly how we used to live our lives. No purpose. That's why you begin to coin things like, I'm just hanging out. We're just shooting the breeze. No purpose. We see it from the early writings of what the devil stood for. He scattered. He has nothing good to do and God exposes that. Secondly, there's no direction. In Job chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, where did you come from? Uh, where do, do you come? From where do you come? So Satan answered, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back forth on it. In other words, he's just meandering through life. There is nothing that he's given himself to. There is nothing, no direction. It's just, you know what, today I'm going to walk down there. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and walk back. And it is just this repetitious life with no direction. Number three is there's no protection. And this is why the devil despises the protection that he was giving Job. The devil's there. You have built a hedge of protection over him. You have done this over every side of his life. But now remove that. And I bet you he'll curse you to, to your face. 
He despises protection. And a scattered life lives with no protection. He thinks, you know what? It's okay if I leave my car unlocked with the keys in the ignition. I'm sure it'll be fine to not lock the doors and the windows in my house where my children and my family live. Maybe it's okay not to have insurance. It's a scattered life. So I want to look secondly this evening at the scandal. Because what we fail to see many times once we fall to this mindset of being scattered is the fact that we don't know or realize what is at stake. Sheep are very simple creatures. Sheep are happy when they're being fed. Sheep uh, are, you know, quite uh, happy to uh, just go through life and be directed in every single direction uh, that the shepherd gives them. But the truth is, is that no sheep is approaching the shepherd saying, you know what I reckon today? Where we should go, what we should eat. Why? Because by themselves... Sheep serve no purpose. They don't accomplish anything of value. It's only when a sheep is contained, protected, and instructed that it can be of value. The shepherd can come in and shear the sheep and uh, make sure that uh, it is not uh, sick uh, and it makes sure it's protected in a good uh, area. Uh, the moment that the sheep decides to go on its own path is the moment it puts itself in harm's way. The sheep can't see the bigger picture. It only sees what's in front of it. Well, this is nice lawn here. This is nice grass. I'm sure it'll be fine to just keep on eating all the while. If he does not understand the bigger picture, he could be surrounded by a predator. Psalms 23 verse 4, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here is the psalmist that's bringing that imagery. He says, you know what? I am a sheep following my shepherd. And though I go through the most treacherous places, most dangerous places, because you're with me, I feel safe. But the scandal is, is that we fall for a scattered mindset and we think, you know what? I'll be okay. I'm not in the presence of the shepherd, but I'll be fine. It's, you know what, I'm sure that this night out, clubbing, partying, will be okay. I'm sure that just one drink won't make me an alcoholic. I'm sure that a little bit of carnality or a little bit of fleshly desires being met, I'm sure that'll be fine. It's not like, I hate Jesus Christ. I'm sure that just a few services away, without any accountability, 
doesn't make me a sinner. But yet the truth is, is that we could be falling for this scandal. The devil's scandalizing strategy. The word stumble in the Greek is that Greek word uh, scandalizo, which is the English word for scandal. In John 10, 27, the Bible speaks about Jesus being the shepherd and speaking to his sheep. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, what's profound about this passage of Scripture is the fact that Jesus is making known to uh, His hearers that He is the shepherd. But also at how uh, His voice is what is going to bring direction for the sheep. And if the devil can remove uh, us from the very presence of Jesus Christ, He also removes us from hearing His voice. You remember that time you came to church and it was almost as if, did somebody tell pastor everything about my life? What I'm going through? How I'm feeling? You remember those times we're in the presence of God and you're at the altar or you may have been raising your hands. You're like, man, I felt the anointing tonight. Jesus said, they hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. You know, it's amazing at how uh, darkness can change everything. You know, if you're ever walking at night and you see a stranger, you see a shadow further down, you know, it doesn't matter, you're immediately alarmed. You could be a very big and strong person, even maybe have a bat, but you're like still alarmed. It's a shadow. Maybe, you know, you don't feel confident. You may cross over to the other side. You think, why would this shadowy person come so close to me in the middle of the night? It's just strange. Keep your distance. It's not until you begin to hear their voice that you can be disarmed. Hey, Michael! And you think, oh, That's a friendly, familiar voice. And now all of a sudden, a shadowy figure doesn't seem like a foreigner. The truth is, is that if the devil can work towards removing you from his presence, now all of a sudden, you're in a dark area Jesus is speaking to you. He's crying out. He's trying to direct you. But because of this darkness, you don't trust that voice. You refuse to be directed by Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks. We don't listen. It's amazing at how here is Adam and Eve in the very garden of Eden. And the devil beguiles them Why? Because they've been listening to the devil instead of God. He speaks and we don't listen. He commands and we refuse to obey. Why? Because that voice. Could that be the voice of Jesus? 
Is that the voice that is trying to lead me astray or lead me towards God? What, what, who is that? It's a strategy. It's a scandal. So I'm going to look thirdly and in closing at the shepherd. Because what you need to recognize is that our greatest weapon as a Christian is faithfulness. It is amazing to me at how those who are faithful to the very end, the Bible begins to exhort. James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is a man who endures temptation, but when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life uh, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Revelations 2.10, Do not fear any of those things which are about to, you are about to suffer, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that uh, you may be tested uh, and you will have tribulation 10 days, but, faithful, uh, but be faithful until death uh, and I will give you the crown of life. Here is linked the crown of life to our ability to be faithful, our ability to withstand, our ability to say, you know what, I don't want to be scattered, I want to be gathered. I want to be in the very presence of Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't want to allow uh, the stumbling, the uh, strategy, this uh, dis d d demonic uh, strategy that would uh, come into my life and destroy what God is trying to do. Now, this is the good news tonight. The good news is that if we are faithful, uh, there is a reward uh, what you have to understand is that Jesus has gone before us. In our text, it says, But after I have been raised, I will go before you uh, to Galilee. Now, this is what's unique about this passage of Scripture. Jesus uh, highlights the fact that there is going to be a scandalous time you're going through uh, to be deceived, to be made to stumble. Uh, but here is this uh, hope tonight is that Jesus goes before us uh, so that we would see that he has prepared a way, that there is hope, uh, there is a way of escape. In John chapter 14, verse 2, the Bible speaks about, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would uh, have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, He's going before us. He's preparing a place for you. Your investment in this life is not being overlooked. The times where you are giving yourself to ministry, the times that you are following people up, the times that you are giving of your time and your love and your finances. Listen to me. Jesus is gone before us. He is in heaven. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your sacrifice, your investment. And as the good shepherd, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's given us victory over sin, over the grave. But we just have to remain faithful. We just need to remain true to what He has called us to do. So what does staying faithful to the end involve? Number one, it involves gathering our, our thoughts. I mentioned earlier about God is not the author of confusion. 
what you need to recognize is that in order for you to stay faithful, you need to be able to gather your thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What you need to recognize is the devil always has an argument. He always has something to say. He always has an opinion. He will voice his thoughts uh, into your mind. And you need to realize as your ability to gather your thoughts will keep you faithful to the very end. Number one, we gather our thoughts because the devil wants to fill your minds with nonsense. Number two, is we need to learn to separate fact from fiction. What you need to recognize is truth is always liberating. There's something about truth that leaves a resounding sound, that leaves an impression upon us. The Bible says these words in 2 Corinthians 13, 7, now the, Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What does this mean? In other words, the Bible is saying is that when you are in truth, there's freedom, there's deliverance, conspiracies are broken, arguments are debunked, you're no longer confused. Why? Because that's not true. And truth is where there's freedom. So your ability to separate fact from fiction is going to determine whether you stay faithful or not. Number three, always comes back to choosing to obey. Romans 5.19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Now what's tragic about this passage of Scripture is that it involves two characters, the first being Adam. We know that he is the first created by God in his own image. No doubt he would have been uh, uh, someone that God spent extra care and time upon. Uh, but what tr when tragedy strikes, here he is. He falls. Uh, he allows sin to enter into uh, his wife and his life. Uh, and as a result, sin enters the world. And this is how he's forever remembered. It's amazing at how people remember the bad things you've done. And they forget the good things. Yeah, but I did so much, but yet you failed. You dropped the ball. You have to understand is that choosing to obey helps you to stay faithful. Choosing to say no. Choosing to say, no, I'm going to serve God. I'm in the right place. I know what God has for my life. The second part of that is man's obedience. Through one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. 
The truth is, is that we all need good examples. And again, I've mentioned Pastor Mitchell so many times. But here is this old, frail man. He's outlived uh, children. He's outlived his wife. He has been opposed so many times and people have said ruthless and hurtful things about this man. And yet he's still getting up, preaching, laying a hold of God. We need good shepherds. Not just for a season, not just for a time, but to the very end. To be able to run the race and say, they tried to trip me. They tried to make me fall. And again, we're not saying Pastor Mitchell is perfect. But what a great example he serves for us of someone who remained faithful. Who is still doing the same thing he was called to do over 40 years ago. It's coming up to 50 years in our fellowship. 50 years of serving God. I wonder, will that be your testimony? Where will you be in 50 years from now? Will you still be in church? Will you still love God? Will you still have ministry? Will you still have a passion for souls? Will you still be crying out for your friends and your family members? Because it's faithfulness that we're striving for. Next time the devil tempts you, next time the devil tries to throw a curveball your way, just remember, God has gone before you. That he has paid the price. That you don't have to fall, you don't have to lose. You don't have to detonate your destiny. Be faithful. If all you can do is come to church and serve Jesus Christ, do it. Do it to the very end. You won't regret it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments. The presence of God is in this place.